Good afternoon, friends. It is truly, truly, truly another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. We're going to spend the next couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in our always energetic, energetic, and entertaining conversation on topics such as local, state, and national news and politics, sports and leisure, science and medicine. Uber producer Dan Peters is here to keep you updated on the latest news and weather. Thanks for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Whether that's through your radio, streamed live on KSO.com, or using the new KSO mobile app, which is a must-have for listeners of this show and any KSOO-related news and information because you get not only one-touch live streaming, you get weather and updates and stories from the staff here at KSOO, as well as Dan's favorite, push notifications. That's right. Find out about snow alerts and uh, green grass alerts and singing bird alerts and all the stuff that we'll be looking forward to in the next couple of weeks. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. That's P-L-A-L-L-E-Y Show. So, Dan, what? Uh, so much for that storm, eh? Hey, not don't so- you knock it. I'm not. I'm because not when there was that snow event, that snow alert, it was... It was it was the big deal. It was, and then it wasn't a big deal. It was, well, you know, there was still some snow. It was pretty snow. Pretty snow. And it lasted for a little while. And then it was gone. And now it's really gone because it is gorgeous outside. Well, and then when you got out the shovel, you had to push it. Push <laughs> it. That's what I was doing, too. I still had to push it twice this weekend, including... A rather substantial dump from the uh, from the plows. The snow gates. Yeah. Now it's really weird because the first pass on Friday or whatever it was left a, a considerable amount, but then the next time around, probably because there was only like an inch of snow, it was it was clean, clean, clean as a whistle. But I still had to shovel it. I always I usually just relive my Dukes of Hazard days and I just drive over that <laughs> stuff and just grind <laughs> it down into a powder. Woo! <laughs> That'd be cool. I want to. I want to get video of that. I want to see Dan come flying out backwards out of the garage there and hit that baby and maybe launch the rear end of, you know, the micro bus up off the ground. That'd be oh cool. yeah, and then be able to 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 get it out of the slide and then put it back in the right direction. And then you're just pointing straight. But it is it is really nice out right now. In fact, I here's what I did. Uh, I was headed into the studio, Dan. And I had to just, I had to pull into a, a little spot down by the river, roll down the windows. And and this is something I haven't felt for a long, you know, there's a nice south breeze out there right now, but the sun is high in the sky. And I just kind of got my face down, you know, kind of just next to the door, felt the sun just warming my face, like real warmth. Hey, 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 wait a minute. You said roll down the windows. <laughs> that yeah, means I, you weren't riding shh, the old two-wheeler. Shh, Dan, shh. Don't, don't point out the obvious. You're laying this stuff down, and I'm picking it up there, Patrick. Don't, don't point out the obvious contradiction. I don't need that. Um, but I'm, letting, I'm just laying there, 
you know, in the sun. And if you close your eyes, the traffic on 57th Street, the, the, the hum and the flow could, could be mistaken for the gentle lapping of the ocean on the sand, you know, if I was in Florida. Okay, yeah, let's recreate that moment. Yeah. Oh. Now, just that little whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Turns out it was just traffic. <laughs> I was just sitting in my car in a snow-filled parking lot. But for a moment, it felt kind of warm, kind of nice. So we've got some really good, nice days to look forward to. And I, I will be, in fact, back on the two-wheeler tomorrow without, without question, Dan, without question. Yeah, on a day like today, with all the melting going on and the snow that has piled up, you would be um, probably imminently soggy, yeah. more soggy than you would normally be. A little bit, a little bit. I, I, yeah, I, I hate myself already, but for not riding. But thanks for pointing that out. I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for thanks for piling on, Dan. No point in letting that just pass by un uh, unrecognized. That's right. <laughs> The, the highs and lows of uh, coming into the studio every day. I know. I turn on the light and then <laughs> the rodents and the crickets go scurrying to the corners. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, despite that, uh, despite my shortcomings, we have a great show for you today. Our guests include Dr. Kirk Griffin. He is a, a guest. He's been on the show before. Uh, Dr. Griffin is uh, with the, uh, he's like the lead researcher over at Sanford on the big project to try and cure type 1 diabetes and is a friend. And I always like having Dr. Griffin in and they've hit kind of a mile post with their uh, efforts. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in the second hour. And the common man will be with us for weird friends. Uh, And, you know, I think we're going to talk a little bit about baseball. We're going to have to because I caught just a little bit of a, 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 a spring training game on the radio uh, yesterday. That was awesome. Uh, Matt Dittmanson, he is with uh, he is the director of business development at the Sanford Sports Complex. They've got like a bazillion basketball games in the next three weeks out there. Yeah, and they're going to have some more tonight. They've already had a whole pile of them already. Yeah, at the Sanford Pentagon. Uh, the NSIC tournament's out there right now, and then they've got just crazy amounts of basketball going on. They've got three Skyforce games over the next week, too. In oh, there. yeah, and uh, there's some other, uh, like, Division Two championship stuff coming up. I don't even... It, it's, well, no, maybe it was... Uh, what did they got, like, the... Uh, what's the what's the other division? Not the NCAA, the... Uh, the, the oh, the NAIA. NAIA. They got one of those big tournaments out there, too. But yeah. we'll get all the real details from Mr. Dittmanson at about 3.45. And we're going to make another shot at hooking up with... Our man on weather, find out how long this is going to last with Phil Shrek. He, of course, chief meteorologist at KSFY Severe Weather Center. And uh, where he's going to explain how we got so blessed this weekend. And I'll have a PL statement after the break. Today's topic mm, true colors, true colors in the legislature. So stay, stay in. Stand, stand by for news. Stay close to your radio for that. That's coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 317 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Bodine's closer to free. That means it's time for the PL statement. 
Uh, getting a little energy behind it on a beautiful Monday afternoon here on the Patrick Lally Show. And uh, looking through the news over the weekend, you know, fair amount going on nationally with uh, the gun control debate and all that. But I'm going to leave that to, you know, lesser human beings. That's, I don't know why I said that. That's not true. Uh, I'm going to leave that to others for today. And, uh, you know, a lot going on with the Russia bit. Oh, man, the Manafort thing. It's just it's all coming together. But I want to talk about something that I saw. Uh, I mentioned it last week, and it continued over the weekend. Uh, and I introduced this in the earlier segment by saying true colors in the legislature. Now, you all know, if you listen to this show semi-regularly, that I am not a fan of Mr. Neil Tapio's legislation on various levels attacking immigrants and trying to uh, blame Islam for all our ills. Uh, And most of that was defeated, has been defeated. I think it's all gone now. Uh, And there was a bill last, the the anti-immigrant bill that would prevent Lutheran Social Services from resettling refugees. Uh, That went down last week. But during the debate, and I mentioned this, uh, so Senator Al Novstrup, right? And, you know, a lot of you folks around here probably don't know Al. He's he's from up in your Aberdeen area. <clears throat> and he's, I, you know, I don't know that much about Mr. Nostrup, you know, because I, I, I don't follow him <laughs> much, uh, you know. And, and But every once in a while he pokes his little head up above the, above the uh, din of the legislature and uh, expresses himself, which... You know, I was thinking about this. So last week, uh, he had this quote where he said, uh, so this is during, this is during the, the, the debate, the discussion on uh, SB 2200, I think is the number, which I don't care about the numbers, but it was the immigration ban. And he was talking to uh, somebody with the uh, state uh, law enforcement in some measure. And he says, this is about the emergency. So so here's my hypothetical question. As we search the people going into the rodeo in Brookings, South Dakota, should we be searching the 85-year-old Norwegian or should we be looking for the people that are 19 years old from the Middle East? Which which would you prefer? To which the gentleman from uh, uh, state law enforcement, state homeland security or whatever that's called, he says, that's not really the question. (laughs) He def- he demurred on that. You know, he just ignored it basically because it's a silly thing to say, and and it got a lot of attention because it's so clearly uh, a violation of uh, search and seizure uh, guarantees against illegal search and seizure in the Constitution in the Fourth Amendment, uh, and it was pointed out as such. The thing is, and, and here's the deal: maybe I should be happy when. Neil Tapio and his ilk bring these bills forward because it gives some of these guys a chance to express themselves, you know, open up a little bit and, you know, sort of explore their thinking on an issue, right? Because that's, you might, you know, you want to just kind of have a a give and take. You want to find common ground, right? You want to have a discussion. And so Mr. Novstrup, he, he expressed himself. And there was, you know, some 
some pushback on him. Uh, and of course, after the debate, Mr. Novstrup goes home, as they all do, and has their Cracker Barrel. Uh, and on Saturday, he gets asked about this up in Aberdeen, about his comments. And he, he just, he can't help himself. So he clearly knows he screwed up in his comments, right? So now he's just trying to modify him. And now he's got a little bit more of a platform to just, you know, again, just sort of explore his thinking on these issues of immigration and xenophobia. And so he says, the context is after I gave that speech, which included hundreds of words, my opponent next fall, which is in the legislative race, declared I was a racist. I think that's pretty appropriate. I wish he was here so I could tell him that. But here's the context. We were debating a bill, and what that bill did was it said that there are some, there are 195 countries in the world. The bill said that there are six of them. Well, the federal government said there are six countries so dangerous that you're advised not to travel in those six countries. Iran, Iraq, North Korea, Yemen, and a few other countries. If you go there as an American, you're going to be killed, most likely. North Korea, those are dangerous places to go. That's why they're on the non You know, he goes on and on and on. Anyway, so he goes back to, he, he goes back to his story, right? Which was, he, he was relating from a year after 9-11 when he was at this rodeo and this old woman got searched because it was random searching at that time. You remember the hysteria. And he says, this person does not look like a terrorist. This person looks like an 85-year-old uh, great-grandmother. Uh, I also said what I thought would be after having told the story about the 85-year-old grandmother from the Sistan Peaver area that they should be spending more time searching people that look like terrorists. And, here's, and so here's what a terrorist looks like. They are of mixed racial background. And then he goes into the, the 9-11 terrorists, you know, which were 15 of which were from Saudi Arabia. And he decides that, uh, he says, uh, they're multiracial. They're of Caucasian descent, they're Asian descent, and they're of African descent. Well, they're, they're Arabs. They're, you know, from Saudi Arabia. And he goes on to say, it was more, more about being young, you know. He says, so my quote was racial because I pointed out a group of multiracial people are the people we should be looking at. Does that seem strange to you that I'm a racist because I point out that we should be looking at multiracial people, meaning all the races? That's what the quote said. If you go back and look at the picture of the 9-11 terrorists, that's what you'll find. What I was, that's what I wasn't saying. I wasn't saying look at race because they were multiracial. What I was saying is 18 to 26-year-olds are more prone to violence. 18 to 26-year-olds are more prone to bad decision-making. Male 18 to 26-year-olds are the ones we should be looking at. And if you look at the terror, the hijackers, there's 19 of 18 of them. Nah, I'm probably a little high. 17 or 16, almost all of them fit the description that I described. Male 18 to 26 years of age. Yeah. Yeah. No. Now we get it, Al. It's all, it's better now. The, just because Middle Eastern, that wasn't the deal. And he goes on and on and on and on and on. And, and maybe, like I said, we should be happy that Neil Tapio brings this stuff forward. Because now we know there are sim- legislators who simply cannot express what they think. Nostrup's explanation and backpedaling are a garbled mess at best. And just outright babbling of a non-repentant bigot at worst. There's no explanation for this. This is absurd. It's ludicrous. Close your mouth, Al. He has no basic understanding of either the Constitution or the current state of domestic terrorism. Tapio's immigrant ban 
based on the countries targeted by Donald Trump was a terrible idea with no basis in reality. That was bad enough. Listening to a state legislator like Novstrup trying to defend it or even explain his own thought process is as revealing as it is torturous. Keep talking, Hal. Keep talking. We're learning more all the time. So, lawmakers, please, please express yourselves. Find your inner thoughts. Find your core beliefs. And then say them. You're doing us all a favor by letting us know who you really, really are. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me? You can reach me, Patrick, at KSO.com via the emails. You can follow along on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show and chat with us there. Always good to hear from you all. Whether you agree or disagree, that's fine. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to have the common man. Always good. Got a little Olympics, little twins, some stuff like that. <sighs> nice, nice antidote to the rest of the day. This is Information 1000 KSOO. 3.34 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. I was born in the Dublin street where the loyal runs do be And the lovely English people walked all over us and every single night when the towel come home tight, he'd invite the neighbors out with his chorus. Come out, you black and tans, come out and fight me like a man. Show your wife how you won medals down in Flanders. Tell her how the IRA made you run like hell away to the green and lovely lanes of Killashander. And with that, we welcome in the common man for Weird Friends. Common, I'm I'm gonna have a one of these days. I'm gonna do a whole show of just rebel songs. I think that'd be great. You know, it might get me in trouble, but that's I could okay. Just stir up the troubles all <laughs> over again. <laughs> the troubles in the North End. Yeah, uh, that, <laughs> that would be bad. Uh, say, common. Mm. Uh, you know, it's nice out. It, it, it is, and I was thinking while it was while I was on, on hold. I said, you know, you say, what other job could you have? and be wrong 80% of the time, and usually people say weathermen. <laughs> yeah. And I think, well, you know, talk radio has probably got something. <laughs> you can be wrong all the time, as long as it's entertaining. <laughs> That's right. As long as the bass thinks you're awesome. <laughs> That's exactly, that's what I'm shooting for, my bass, which is, let's see, my mom. <laughs> And about half my weird friends. Uh, that's Christmas my base. card list. There yeah. you go. That's awesome. Hey, uh, uh, Olympics are over. Are you in? Are you in some post-Olympic sort of uh, depression like I am? Oh well, yeah. You know, it's and again, it, we can add this one to our list, uh, Patrick. I, I noticed last night. Again, if you sync Pink Floyd's "Dark Side of the Moon" with the start of the closing ceremonies, it matches up nicely. <laughs> That's that awesome. was trippy. I, I, I'm just like, wow. Turn off the lights, oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, I was kind of getting kind of freaked out there for a while. But mm-hmm. it was, but no, the Olympics are great. You know, but it's, 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 it hasn't been a successful Olympics. Has no, it? We, no. we haven't. We haven't. No. The Americans, well, was it, was it a good Olympics? Sure. Was it, did we win a lot of medals? No. No. But, you know, and that's the thing. America loves a winner. Mm-hmm. We will not tolerate a loser. 
Yeah, that's right. Did you like that? That was my yeah. that was my audition for Patton the Musical. Yeah, Patton. <laughs> How come? You know, that's a good idea. Patton the Musical. Old Town Theater. Next, uh, check your listings this summer. <laughs> we'll go through Olympics like crap through a goose. <laughs> <laughs> When you reach over and put your hand in a button anyway. No, it's not good. <laughs> I the the, the uh, somebody's gonna have to get to work on that score though because <laughs> kind of like a heavy metal version of uh, of Patton the musical. <laughs> oh, I'd love, yeah, you could have Metallica. Yeah, Metallica. Yeah, yep. Disturbed do the soundtrack. Yeah. That'd be all right. By the way, are you going to Metallica? This is way off. No, 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 not no. Either. They're a little out of my little out of my swing zone. Yeah. You know, you, I kind of feel bad. I mean, this is Metallica, right? And I understand that we have a bigger venue and all, but it's still, it's Metallica. They're playing the Denny. It's yeah, a, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. I, I get that. It's I a, understand yeah. it. I haven't but, seen ticket prices yet, but I imagine they'll be high. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I'll take, that up with, I'll take that up with Hudson on Wednesday. Absolutely. Well, he, he'd be the man to know about them sort of things. Yeah. But you know, but watching the Olymp- the Olympic parts, you think about all the people, that, and it's American to want to build these people up. You watch the commercials ahead of time. You're mm-hmm. expecting them to do great things, and then they don't. And you just want to burn them right to the ground <laughs> and go and, and and assault their family. <laughs> and that's what should be done by golly, because this is America. Yeah. But you see the, the the poor little you know like the like the lady figure skaters who finished like tenth, twelfth, and fifteenth. Yeah. The Mariah Nagasu says she's excited about going with Dancing with the Stars now. Oh, sure. and, a, and I'm thinking, hey, Mariah, Dancing with the Stars is for winners. <laughs> we don't want your loser stink on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> your loser stink. You're gonna fall down then too, huh? Yeah, yeah. Want you want you miss the landing again there too? No cha cha for you, cha cha. I got a quad for you. Get out of here. <laughs> that was painful to watch, though. It, it, it is. It was like just one right after another. Oh, yeah, I didn't even like watching the girl fall in flash dance for crying out loud. <laughs> no, that was that was hard to watch. But, you know, as Tony Kornheiser says, the, the, of course Norway's going to win all the medals. It's covered in snow! Patrick, there's five million people who live in Norway. I know. There's five million people who live in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, that's no, true. <laughs> I, I, I understand that Minnesotans won a lot of the medals, but there's yeah. some other cold states too. So yeah. let's not let's not go there. It was the Minnesota Olympics, though, wasn't it? They did the Minnesotans did pretty well. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're such, they're such nice kids. Yeah, they try so hard. Dog on it. it. Bronze or no bronze, I like them. Oh um, sure. <laughs> so. So I was, you know, but I you can't get too caught up in that, right? Because I heard one uh, 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 commentator say that who follows the Olympics very closely say the problem is that all the uh, journalism, all the sports journalists that cover the stuff here, all they know are the Americans. So that's all they write about. So you don't realize that, oh, turns out those Japanese, they can speed skate like nothing you've ever seen because yes. they just don't know. And, yeah. and the Dutch, you know, all of, all of, you know, all the things that you, all just wonderful stuff, but you'll never know about it. And then, of course, there's, if there's nothing to report on, there's got to be hubbub about whether someone took a selfie with uh, Ivanka or Sarah yeah. Sanders no, or anything like that. No. No, it's like, 
I understand if people yeah. get, say they don't want to do that and they don't, they don't like what you stand for. That's fine. You get make up your own mind. But to me, that's your two minutes to maybe influence them a little bit. Yeah. You know, no, nobody talks to anybody anymore, Patrick. No, I know. That's the problem. We all got to sit in our camps and stare at each other and, and throw rocks. But why not just take the two minutes that you got and say, hey, not no. so bad. It's not so bad. Not so bad. Just be nice. Yeah. Just... What's wrong with cordial? Just be nice. We we have to someday prove the Boone Man's adage wrong. <laughs> and which, he is dead right. right he now. is right, which is people are just no damn good. And <laughs> we're trying to get away from that, but so far it's not working out. Hey, uh, uh, Common Man, did mm. you uh, did you bring a joke for me? Because the Boone Man, you know, the Boone Man's down to just punchlines. Did you know this? He's just going to the catalog and saying, I say, oh, he says the punchline and everybody knows the dirty part. I get it. <laughs> That's right. He can't, he can't come up with any jokes to tell on the radio, so now he's just doing punchlines, which it turns out is actually pretty funny. But, That's 72. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, sir, have you maintained a high standard of, of, of telling jokes. So yeah, no, got? I've, got, I've got a little short, a short, snappy one for you today, Patrick. Cool. It's, good, it's good, and I think it's good with the times as well, so... I mean, here's the joke, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you call a Mexican woman who flies a plane? I don't know. What do you call You a... call that woman a pilot, <laughs> you sexist, racist, Patrick Lally. <laughs> you sort of turned the tables there on me, didn't you? <laughs> nice work. I do what I can. I, I liked it. Uh, Dan was a little quick with the uh, rim shot there, but we're going to let it. We, I, we got it. We got it. You were still with us. Ooh, that was a lot of outrage for me for a minute there. Wow. <laughs> you got, you better lay down. I better take my BP pills. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, common man, thank you, sir. Way, you to, way to make the day better. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Take care, Patrick. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk with Matt Dittmanson. He is Director of Business Development at Sanford Sports Complex because they have got a ton of basketball going on out there. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSO. 346 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And, uh, you know, it's it's nice out, but there's still snow. It's March, and you know what that means. It's basketball craziness. I'm not going to say the phrase. I'm going to let Matt Dittmanson do that. He's our guest right now. And, of course, Matt is the Director of Business Development at the Sanford Sports Complex out there in the northwest part of town. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Patrick. Yes, and it is March Madness at the Pentagon. There you go. Um, <laughs> now, I was amazed by this number. You have 59 college basketball games in 29 days. It's insane. We love it. Um, game started with the NSIC tournament on Saturday, and they're going strong right now. It's Southwest Minnesota's playing St. Cloud State at the moment, up by, up by eight points with six minutes to go. But, yeah, so they've... <laughs> We've got USF and Augie women tonight playing. Oh, Winona um, is playing tonight as well. So it's, it's going to be a, a really good tournament for us. It'll wrap up tomorrow night with uh, championships, um, and, and we'll see how that goes. And followed by that, and, and, you know, of course, the city is hosting Summit League. Uh, but March 7th, um, back at the Pentagon, we've got the NAIA 32-game tournament single elimination. Um, and right after that, we jump right into NCAA Division two elite eight. So think about it. We've got we're going to crown three national champions right here in Sioux Falls at the Sanford Pentagon. It's just going to be exciting out here. So the 
let's the NSIC, of course, is uh, uh, Augie and USF. So you've got some built in crowd there, which that's nice. And, and the women are playing tonight. Uh, it's the men's and women's tournaments, right? Men's and women's. Northern men uh, won earlier today. Um, it was a tight game. Um, and so they'll be playing uh, tomorrow night. So of the winner of this game, Northern State fans there have a huge following, and so this place is going to be packed tomorrow night. I'm quite sure of it. Yeah, well, and because it's the NSIC, nobody's that far away. So I, I imagine that some of those teams also bring fans. It's got to be kind of crazy over there. It does. Even uh, even fans, women's fans from Concordia, uh, coming out of. Uh, Minneapolis. I mean, there's been a lot of folks that have traveled three, four hours, and we, we, we dodged a bullet with the weather this week. We thought Sunday was going to be fairly ugly, but it actually turned out to be a pretty decent day for us. Yeah, I'll take that up with Phil Shrek after the <laughs> Yeah, those are the ones that we, we thank them for being wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so NSIC, it's the women's championship tonight, and then the men's tomorrow, is that right? No, both men's and women's championship uh, will be tomorrow night. Oh, sorry. Today's our summer. Today will our semifinal game. I see. So either Augie or USF women will be in that game. That's correct. And then it'll be either the Northern men and against two. And it looks as though. Well, I'm not even going to predict. Yeah. I always go down to the wire. But right now, uh, with five minutes and thirty seconds left to go, Southwest Minnesota State is up sixty-two. 54 over St. Cloud State. Yeah, so really a lot of local schools because that's just Marshall. Yes. Our, our good friends over there in southwest Minnesota. That's right. Um, and then uh, the the NAIA, is that men's and women's? Um, that will be men's and women's. Wow. Now, wasn't the NAIA women's No, you know what? I, I take that back. I stand correct on it. Just the men's. Yeah. And I think Sioux City has had that women's tournament forever. But that, that'll be a 32-game wow. um, single elimination. So there's going to be a lot of teams coming in from all directions. That'll be, uh, that'll be exciting as well. Now, is this the first year? Did you have the NAI last year as well? We did not. No. Okay. Um, that's not, this will be our first one having this tournament. That's, that'll be fun. And then and we have it for two years. So, And then who knows? I'm not sure what the league's going to plan to do, but we do have it guaranteed this and next year. We're talking with Matt Dittmanson. He's uh, with the Sanford Sports Complex out there in the northwest part of town, and it's busy, busy place. Uh, the the NCAA Division Two tournament, the Elite Eight, is that, is that men or women? That's men and women. Oh, okay. So there's a chance that we could have some local teams in that as well because that's the NSIC. I wouldn't division. be surprised the yeah. way some of these teams are playing. We, we may see you know Northern and Marshall back. You know, for that one, I wouldn't be surprised. Because once they once they leave, if you win the uh, NSIC, you get an automatic bid to the uh, Division Two playoffs, yep. right? Yep. Do, do you know how many teams are in that? I don't. Yeah, I'm, I don't. My, I, my outlook, Patrick. So you know, my 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 work here at the sports complex and business development mm-hmm. is a little is a little more global than the Pentagon. Jesse Smith is our director of mm-hmm. operations, and, mm-hmm. and he's more dialed into some of the more specific yeah. events in the Pentagon. My, my role um, is a new role here at the complex, and so I, I'm more mm-hmm. about developing facilities um, in and outside the Pentagon. So we have 500 acres of, of complex land that, that is um, my focus. And so the things that I can announce today is we, we've got Power and Grace, a new gymnastics facility opening up here in June. Yeah. Private owners, it's not a, a Sanford project. Dennis and Kathy Shampoo are, are the owner-operators of that facility. Sioux Falls Park and Rec uh, will break ground um, 
here probably around April on a new field, which will be a, a multi-purpose field for rugby, lacrosse, soccer. Uh, it will be a practice field. Current nine fields that we have out here are all tournament competition play fields that for Park football? and Rec manage out here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this will, will it be uh, natural grass? It will be natural grass. We, we debated back and forth about the investment for turf, and, and we decided that um, grass would be a, a better option for us, at least in the interim. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be uh, uh, exciting. Lacrosse, of course, is growing in the city. Um, it, it wasn't that long ago we didn't have any lacrosse, and now we right. have leagues. Yeah. Kind of surprised me. And I'd be honest, I'm transparent. I, I don't know a lot about the game. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having some diversity in sports out here and you know, get to see some of the things that are going on. Yeah. Um, some of the things that we learned, um, at least that I learned, uh, the Sioux Falls did a, a census on the bike trails last year, and, and one million people used the Sioux Falls bike trails last year, and, right. and we have, you know, we're adjacent to that. And so as we begin to grow in our south side of our complex, that'll give kids and families an opportunity for very easy access to the complex. Yeah, it's really a good spot there. There's a water stop and there's a bathroom, so it's outstanding. <laughs> um, also, I got one word for you in terms of future development out at Sanford Sports Complex: velodrome. Just velodrome. That's, a, that's all I got. That's all I'm nice. going to say, and I'm just going to leave that there, and we'll see how that goes. We'll see well, how that there's, there's spreads. There's one available. I, I know that um, the National Sports Center and Blaine are removing their velodrome. Absolutely, I saw that. They need to. Uh, if there's a and Detroit <laughs> just redeveloped some downtown area into a a permanent velodrome, concrete. Velodrome. So look into I love that it. One. We'll have to look into that. that That'd that be awesome. Just let me know if you need any consultant work on that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matt, thank you very much. Matt Dittmanson, he is Director of Business Development at the Sanford Sports Complex. There's a lot going on out there, and we'll look for future announcements. Matt, yes, thanks sir. for taking a few minutes. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. Coming up next, after the news and weather, well, actually the news with, with Dan Peters, and we're going to talk weather with Phil Shrek of KSFY Severe Weather Center. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000. K-S-O-O. This is a public service announcement with guitar. Know your rights. Number one. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 K-S-O-O. Hey, coming up on Friday... It's the first Friday of March. That means you can go outside for First Friday downtown, a special day of shopping, art, and entertainment. Visit a variety of retailers, artists, venues, and restaurants, free and discounted activities at the Pavilion, all kinds of good stuff. Oh, you got to love First Friday when it's nice out, and we hope for a good a Friday. Coming up after the news with Dan Peters, it's Phil Schreck from KSFY Severe Weather Center, and we're going to find out what it looks like. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, K-S-O-O. Coins and Collectibles, next to Macy's, your trusted source for buying and selling precious metals and appraisals. And we will bring in our good friend down at the KSFY Severe Weather Center, Phil Shrek. Phil, are you with me? I am. How are you doing, Patrick? Ah, right now? I couldn't be better because we've got Phil Shrek patched in. And I'm not, you know, not to go back and rehash old days because we were always just moving forward. But I'll admit to something on my end. We had a little trouble last week and now we're smooth. So it's good to hear you. Um, so anyway, the weather. 
Uh, it looks good. I got no problems. Yeah, short segment. There we go. <laughs> I mean, we, we hit 41. A little bit. Still, a lot of... A lot of melting going on. There's not much wind out there. Just just feels real nice just to hear the the dripping of the uh, you know the melting snow all over the place and seeing the water roll down and rush down the gutter. So all in all, it's really good. Yeah. Did you ever uh, when you were a kid growing up? Or do your kids do this? You know, when the, when the water starts running, you go like make dams and try and back the water up out of the snow. You ever do that? At it's it's a little weird. I'll admit it. But we used to just like. In the gutters, when the water would start rolling down, we'd make these dams out of snow, and then uh, we entertained ourselves in ways that aren't entirely appropriate, but that's fine. He's in the studio with me. I'm taking him to play practice, and uh, he just shook, shook his head. No, he's never done that either. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. So let's get down to brass tacks here. When's this snow going to be gone, huh? Um, you know, it's going to take a while. We've got, we've got several inches on the ground, although... You know, we kind of lucked out this weekend. That system that moved through Saturday went through a lot faster than expected, at least on the southern end of it in our area. So we only got about an inch and a half of snow in Sioux Falls on Saturday. But uh, some parts of northeastern South Dakota, which who actually need the snow. I mean, it's been dry in northeastern South Dakota. They, they've got they got about six inches, many, many locations up there. Um, but, you know, we, we so we could have had a lot more snow on the ground to, to melt. But it doesn't look like we're going to get rid of it all. But, boy, we're going to get, you know, with that high today of, of 41, I believe we had. Tomorrow it's going to be about 33. And then probably below freezing highs Wednesday and Thursday. But still, if we get some sunshine, the sun this time of the year helps to melt some of that snow, too. We may add a little bit. Sunday night and Monday, that looks to be our next system. There was a system we were looking at for Wednesday and Thursday, but now it looks like that one's going to stay far enough to our south that it's not really going to affect us very much. So Woo-hoo. now we're just <laughs> no one. That thing will decide to move somewhere else too. That's awesome. Yeah, so what happens? So, like, you know, we, we, we knew there was weather coming. We knew there was snow coming. And you say it just went through faster? Was it just a speed issue that just ends up, leaving less snow behind because it's not over us as long is it as simple as that phil yeah i think that's that's really what the 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 problem was if you want to call it a problem i mean i guess it was for a forecasting perspective um because we were thinking still as of friday night looking ahead to saturday we were going to get you know three four inches of snow um but then it you know when it started snowing saturday morning i thought okay here we go you know right around nine o'clock it came in right on time it started snowing it looked like it was fairly heavy and it just ended by I don't know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. And it, it pretty much, we had a couple little shots of snow after that. But yeah, it just went through faster than expected and uh, kind of expanded to our north and east. And uh, so they got pretty decent snowfall amounts in northeast South Dakota, much of Minnesota too. But, you know, for us, just an inch and a half, no big deal. We are living the dream, Phil. I guess. I think we've had enough so far. I mean, I, there's still a lot of folks who argue with me, not really argue, but, you know, just let me know that. We can still use the moisture, and they like the snow. And but you know what? In a couple of weeks, we're going to be back to daylight saving time. It starts mm-hmm. March 10th and 11th. Spring is going to be here on the 20th or 21st. I'm not sure exactly what date, but one of those two. So yeah, things are we're going to be turning the corner here pretty soon. Well, isn't isn't actually March 1st the the beginning of meteorological uh, uh, that, spring? Is that why we call that? So basically, when meteorologists keep records when they say let's say when they say that there's a you know the the most 
it was the coldest fall ever. Well, that would be that would mean the months of December, January, February, even though the calendar doesn't switch over until you know the 20th or 21st. So it basically it's for record keeping purposes. So when you hear somebody say, "Well, we, we had the the wettest spring ever," well, that would be the months of March, April, and May. Got it. And we don't we just don't pay attention to the the vernal equinox, as I like to call it. Record-keeping purposes, that's right. Yeah, awesome. Well, Phil, thank you very much for uh, the good news, and we'll check in with you later in the week and see how things are looking for our lovely weekend. Good week. Uh, Like I said, Sunday night, Monday, we have a chance of snow, but until then, looking pretty good. Awesome. Phil Shrek, he is from the KSFY Severe Weather Center, joins us a couple times each week, Mondays and Fridays mostly, and uh, to get the lowdown on the weather, get the science, get the explanation, because... Phil's got all the answers. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk about uh, not real news. It's the not real news feature. That's all coming up on Information 1000 KSOO. 415 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Ah, the Pogues. It's going to get bad, people, as we get closer to St. Patty's Day. We might have to do a whole week of Irish music. Anyway, um, <laughs> coming back on the Patrick Lally Show, uh, there's a feature that I enjoy, that I think you enjoy, I think we all enjoy, the Not Real News. It's a uh, weekly collection of stories from our friends with the Associated Press that are have been widely circulated in the social medias or by uh, self-proclaimed fake news sites, some purporting not to be fake news, but they are all, in fact, not real. And we start with, of course, the crisis actors of Florida Parkland school shooting down in, down there in Florida. There are, in fact, no actors. The fact, suspicion that students speaking to the media about the Florida school shooting that killed 17 were crisis actors who had not been really been there sparked hundreds of false claims online. Hundreds. Much attention was focused on David Hogg and Emma Gonzalez, who spoke frequently on national television about the February 14th shooting of, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. The county superintendent, Robert Runcie, said Hogg and Gonzalez are absolutely students at the school. Several sites targeted Hogg after finding a YouTube video he posted in 2017 about a beach argument he witnessed while on vacation in California and suggested he wasn't from Florida and had been seen on video elsewhere rehearsing his remarks. Not real. Wrong! (laughs) Also not real. The U.S. District Attorney has announced that he will be pursuing charges of treason against former President Barack Obama. The facts, no treason prosecution is underway against the former president. Quote, and any liberals or Democrats, quote, working to undermine President Donald Trump, despite the claims of a piece on a site called Conservative Fighters. The site said that Dana Bonti, Bonti will pursue the charges against Obama 
identifying him as the U.S. District Attorney. He is now the general counsel to the FBI and never made any claims of a treason investigation. What is this, fake news? (laughs) It is, in fact, fake news. Also not real, related to the Florida shooting. No birth records for any of the victims. Here are the facts. A viral online video claimed victims in the Florida shooting are fictitious because their birth records don't appear on a genealogy website. But Ancestry, the site, says it has no birth records at all from the state. Broward County Sheriff's officials released the names of the students a teacher shot to death on February 14th. And police reports document officers seeing multiple dead at the people at the scene. The voice, the video posted on the website PewTube, PewTube, that's P-E-W, Tube, appears to show 13Ancestry.com searches for birth records of victims with no results. Florida officials say state birth records are confidential, as they are in South Dakota, I believe. And an Ancestry spokesman says Florida does not provide those records to the company for its database. That's why they aren't there. (laughs) Not real. You see, people, you got to be a more discerning reader, okay? That's, you know, these things sound untrue because they are wildly crazy because they are wildly crazy. Not real. Cuba claims Justin Trudeau, that's uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, is Fidel Castro's son. Fidel, the dictator of Cuba. The facts. Cuba never claimed that Canada's prime minister was the child of the Cuban leader. And the public visit by then Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau and his wife, Margaret, to Cuba happened more than four years after Justin Trudeau was born. Because you remember, uh, Justin Trudeau's dad had been prime minister, yada, yada, yada. The false report has circulated for years. It resurfaced after the February 1 suicide of Castro's eldest son, Fidelito, and cited a suicide note referring to Trudeau as his half-brother. Cuban media were unusually open about the death, but no state or independent media reported the existence of a suicide note. Wrong. <laughs> and this, uh, this is unfortunately not true, Dan. This is, this is one of those where it's not, you know, some twisted up bit of political warfare. It's, it's not... Uh, you know, wild conspiracy theories. It is, in fact, about donuts. And we love donuts, just like we love beer. You know, we love beer and donuts. However, this is not real. That Dunkin' Donuts is providing a free box of donuts to celebrate the 67th anniversary, which is not, that's unfortunate. The facts, uh, clippable coupon Clickable coupon, clickable coupon aside, no free pastries are awaiting Dunkin' Donuts customers this week. It's one of the many fake giveaways that go viral with with offers of free food from prominent national brands like Pizza Hut and Costco. Clicking on the coupon sends users to a three-question survey about the chain and then asks for more personal information. Dunkin' Brands Group Incorporated spokeswoman Michelle King says the online offer is not coming from the chain. It's not their 67th anniversary. This year will be the chain's 68th in business. You are dead wrong. <laughs> then that is, that is dead wrong and actually kind of mean. 
Don't you think, Dan? I mean, that's just flat out mean to 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 you know use donuts to get people to give away their their personal information. Tell you what, you got to be able to get up a little bit earlier than that crowing rooster to be able to get the, slip that one by some folks. <laughs> well, and then, but people do this, okay? People, okay. First of all, don't believe the wild conspiracy theories, but nothing is free. No, and things are not free on the internet. It's not. It's not a one click is free world. So don't believe it. But you know why they do it, Dan. You know why they do it. A fool and his money are soon parted. They yeah. want to take your money. You know, it's like those. Uh, and I feel, I feel bad for the olds uh, who get duped into these deals where uh, your grandson's calling from uh, Cuba. He's in jail and he needs uh, $5,000. Send us $5,000. You know, and they get duped by that. And I, you know, we as, you know, people going through our lives, we think, how could anybody think that that was really a legitimate call? But it happens all the time. And depending upon even what day, what what's going on in your day, you your mind could be in a totally different place and then you get basically shook awake by this particular phone call. And then all you're thinking about is that. And, and, and I can, I can understand people going crazy because then that's what they're focused on and and they can't really put their brain in a position where they can think of anything else. Yeah, I know. I almost got duped though once by a, uh, it was one of these uh, Microsoft phishing deals. Cause I'm a, I'm a Mac guy, right? My personal computing devices are, are all Apple and I was trying to help a family member with a problem on a PC, and I, they just about got me. I was on the phone because I was not familiar enough with the PC thing. And But at some point, I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This can't be right, right? And so I stopped for a second and just Googled it quick, you know, and all the scams are out there somewhere. If you just take a minute and say, you know, just pick a phrase or just type into Google. Um, is is the Microsoft update blah, 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 a real thing? And oftentimes you'll get back. No, don't do it. I've I've seen that time and again. It's they're getting better. They're getting better at trying to take our money. So people, 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 don't give personal information to sites you don't trust. I even got um, a, a word document from my parents. And I couldn't open it right away because yep. it was the wrong format. And I thought, <gasps> no, I'm going to get hacked. Yep. But but actually, I did have to call up my parents and say, okay, did you send me this? And they said, yes, we did. Well, see, that's what you got to do. Because sometimes you think, uh, you know, or you think mom and dad got hacked, you know, but it could just be real. And then they're wondering, oh, Dan didn't respond to our email. Well, yeah. And then there's there was one work email. One time I got a work email it's from a boss. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, I got this. It says, I got this for you. And it didn't go through my spam filter. And then, and then I looked at it and was like, hey, it's a bunch of guns. And I was like, what are they doing sending me pictures? Oh, don't threat. Hacked. Hack alert. Change the password. Got to be careful, people, with your news, with your personal information, all of it. Anyway, we like the uh, not real news feature. It's part of the Associated Press's. This is a public service. Ongoing effort to fact-check misinformation that is shared widely online, including work with Facebook to identify and reduce the circulation of false stories on 
that platform on Facebook. So people are out there trying to beat it back, but it's a wave. It's probably all Russians. It's all the Russians. That's what we can blame for everything now. Russian bots. Russian bots. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk to Dr. Kirk Griffin. He is director of clinical trials for the Sanford Project. We're going to get an update on that. They've hit a big milestone with their effort to find a cure for type 1 diabetes. That's coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-four on the Patrick Riley Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and I'm very happy to have back with us in the studio today. And I got to say this: probably the best dressed guest we have on a regular basis, Dr. Kirk Griffin. Dr. Griffin, thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me, Patrick. So, uh, if people don't know, Dr. Griffin, uh, you are the director of clinical trials for the Sanford Project, which is uh, a nice. Very nice sounding title that means what? Tell people who you are yeah. again. So again, you know, the Sanford Project was a signature initiative when Mr. Sanford donated his uh, seminal gift. Uh, and what they did was they looked around and said, okay, if we apply this much money to something, where can we make a real difference? And they came up with type 1 diabetes, and that became the Sanford Project. We had some other people work on the basic science, really the lab side of things. And... One of the things that we run into is all this takes much longer than any of us really want to think about, especially going from nothing in the lab to actually having something that actually impacts a kid. And the way to accelerate that is really to focus on clinical trials and taking things and things that are hopefully going to make a difference sooner and get them into a clinical trial where we can see whether they work or not. Yeah, and so you've hit a uh, pretty big milestone in this project, which... That's, you know, we started on this quite a while ago. And when I say milestone, you've hit a benchmark, right? Is that, yeah. is that fair My, to say? Milestone is a term we use because, you know, that's, we're on a path. And mm-hmm. we, we, we hit that, that milestone that says, yeah, we're, we're making progress, uh, at least in, within this study. And what that kind of comes down to is for any clinical study, we need to recruit a certain number of, in this case, children with type 1 diabetes right after diagnosis when they're still making some insulin so we can try something. And if you never recruit anybody into your study, you can never actually finish it. You can never see whether it works. So just that we recruited and recruited, you know, really right on schedule and pretty much as fast as we could make the cells and and get them into kids. We were having kids coming in, and that was really a very big success. And how many did you need? We needed 111. And uh, if you remember way back when, we actually started just in, uh, at the Sanford sites here in Sioux Falls and up in Fargo. And we did the initial safety cohort. That was 18 kids just to start with, just at those two sites. Uh, we planned to take a little bit of a break to kind of step back and be sure everything was going okay, which it was. And then April, uh, excuse me, uh, January of, of last year, so just a little over a year ago, we opened up again and started getting, went from 18 up to the 111. And we, over time, expanded to where we eventually had 15 sites across the country, all of which were kind of major diabetes centers and wanted to be a part of this. 15 sites. That's impressive. Is yeah. that, is it good to have uh, uh uh, subjects from across the country, basically, yeah. instead of concentrated in one place? That, that, that's a great question. And again, if you look across Sioux Falls, you know, we're a little more homogeneous than some other places, mm-hmm. uh, which may help you to see something, but it, it then limits how applicable it might be to, you know, people from other places originally. Uh, 
getting more places involved uh, helps to fill up the study faster and really does bring in a mix of different people and kind of averages things out a little bit. So and on one hand, it might be just a little bit harder to see something, which is why we need so many kids. Yeah. But on the other hand, it means if we see it, it's probably more applicable across those different types of people. So that means because you have more locations, you said bring more people into the mix. That's not just those kids. Do you, do you have to have a physician, a, a yeah. cooperating physician on each one of these places? Then? Absolutely. Uh, because there's not enough for me to fly around no. and go no. to all these different places. And, uh, it, it's hard enough bringing bring kids here uh, you know, where, where I am. Um, so, yeah, and the nice thing is there are a couple of other uh, organizations that do this sort of tr trial nuance type one. So there's the Immune Tolerance Network uh, that's funded primarily by NIH. Uh, diabetes Trial Net, really, their, their goal is, first of all, to screen people for risk for type 1 diabetes that are, you know, have somebody within the family. But they also do intervention trials. And so they're kind of pretty similar protocols. So the, the recipe that we all follow, how do we do this study, when do you do the visit, how do you do the visit, what do we measure, are all kind of standardized. And one of the things that we really try to do is to match that so that when we get data out of this, we can actually compare it to the other studies. Down to even when we do the assays and we're sending you know, labs to be measured, we're sending blood to be measured, how many of this particular type of cell. We're sending to the same lab in Seattle that these other places use precisely so that's the same person running on the same machine, minimize that variability so that we can get a better idea. We're using a different intervention than what other people have used. How does it compare? Yeah, that's amazing that you would uh, bring all those blood samples from around yeah. to because one machine can can do that and I, and it's how is that machine set and yeah. you know, how do you dial it in and you know who's operating it and uh, which batch of antibodies are they using so yeah no all that stuff matters and it's little things like that that can make or break it. I was just I had a flash to uh, Monty Python's the the machine that goes ping. <laughs> that's okay, <laughs> but I don't think that's it. Um, uh, it actually does ping when when it finishes a sample. Oh, that would be awesome if you could have it just say that the machine that goes ping. Um, the uh, uh, What's a, the other amazing part about this to me is that you find these kids who fit, and they're young. You you need young we, children. Well, kids are the ones who usually get type 1 diabetes. Some yeah. adults do. They're harder to catch on time because a lot of times they go into their doc and it's like, well, yeah, you have diabetes. You would, you know, you're old. You can't have type 1. You probably have type 2, so we mm -hmm. treat you that way. Uh, so, we, yeah, we really focus on kids. In this study, we took from age 8 up to 18. Yeah, and... But you then you take their blood, right? You take a, yeah. a, a significant amount of their blood and send yeah. it away. Yeah, it's the equivalent of you know you and I going to the blood bank, which is actually where we do this, and it drains into a bag on the floor. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we do this from a kid. We we dial it down for the smaller kids, and yeah, it gets shipped off to a very special manufacturing facility. You know, it's clean room space. Everybody's wearing bunny suits, um, like right out of a movie. And they sort out just those regulatory T cells that these kids don't have enough of that are supposed to be putting the brakes on the immune system and grow them for two weeks. And you start with a couple million, wind up with billions, and then we give them back to the same kid. That's incredible. And then, That's, so you've done that now with 111 kids. Yeah. And uh, now you're just monitoring their progress or what's... Yeah, exactly. And what we're looking for... So type 1 diabetes at its heart is an autoimmune disease. So it's the immune system attacking those cells that make insulin. And at the time you're diagnosed, you probably killed off maybe 80, perhaps even 90% of your cells that make insulin, at least if you read the textbook. And left here you know, alone, over the next couple of years, that just keeps going down, down, down. And what we're trying to do is stop that. 
So then the real answer is, you know, can these kids still make insulin? We know they can when they come in. And what we do is we challenge them. We actually give them kind of a mixed meal. It's a meal in a can, like Boost or Ensure. And they drink that, and then we measure every couple of minutes, you know, how much insulin is in their blood, and we see how much they can make. That's and the goal is to preserve that. And, and so this process, taking it out, putting it, doing what you do to it with the machine that goes ping, then you put it back in, that's... It, the thing that you you are measuring is what happens when you put the 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 put it back into their yeah. blood whether they can take that outside and regenerate it right well so basically what we're trying to expand are the cells that are supposed to the breaks on the immune attack yeah and kids with type 1 when they're diagnosed they don't have enough of them and the ones they have don't work well so we're trying to fill that gap and not give them so much that they're immunosuppressed because you know, that has downsides uh, we want to bring them back to kind of where they should be. And m the goal is if we can do that and stop the attack on the pancreas, they can maintain the insulin mm -hmm. that they're making. And on one hand, it can turn around and say, well, you know, I, I, I worry, the word cure has a lot of meanings to a lot of different people. And, you know, I think really it means, oh, my kid doesn't need insulin anymore. Is that going to meet that criteria? No. But even if you can still make some insulin, that makes you, Dealing with that a lot easier because you can your body does the fine tuning on its own if you do the heavy lifting within some of the bottle, and then that then opens it. We can find something that makes even that much of a difference when somebody has the high blood sugar. How do we then take that and move it back before somebody has high blood sugar? They have autoimmunity. Can we intervene earlier when it should be easier and we should do it more gently? So this is just a step. Even if this it's, works, it's just a step. You know, maybe I'll, I'll be wrong and, you know, the body can regenerate itself even at that point, but uh, I'll wait and see. We're going to come right back and talk more with Dr. Kirk Griffin. He is Director of Clinical Trials for the Sanford Project, and we're going to discuss uh, what's next now that they've got 111 kids who have been enrolled and had their blood taken. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 447 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we turn, return to our conversation with Dr. Kirk Griffin, who is the Director of Clinical Trials for the Sanford Project, which of course is looking to cure, in the broad sense, type 1 diabetes. We can define what cure means, uh, but as working as hard as I can to find ways to uh, help kids make insulin. This gets to be that simple. And now when you talk about this phase, getting these kids enrolled, it sounds kind of simple, right? I mean, you took your blood out, you put it in a machine, you put it back in them, and you hope that the, the cells you put in there help them make insulin. I mean, that's, that's breaking it down to oversimplification. So that, that's actually what we do is for the, the treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, getting them enrolled actually takes a bit more, and that is actually finding the ones who are eligible. So yeah. finding kids uh, certainly within our system is, is pretty easy, but if there are people outside the system that are just diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, you know, the, the notion is that that's kind of an immunologic emergency, that this is a window of opportunity where we might be able to do something about them. Now, the problem is we don't have something we know works right now, which is why we're doing these trials. But we're going to get to the point where when somebody's diagnosed with type 1, we need to jump on it. We need to redial that immune system. And so just to heighten awareness, when you say we have a clinical trial we're looking for, these, it, it maybe helps physicians who are involved with this work look for people who might fit that, that description. Exactly. But you, now all, this, all these 111... 
there's there's a control group within this correct population that you don't have any idea who they are. Exactly, because if I did, you know, I, I'd like to think that I wouldn't let that influence my judgment, but I'm human, believe it or not, yeah. and um, you know, it's just human nature that it it starts to influence it. So I am blinded. We actually have it broken down. We're, we have a third of the kids that actually get uh, placebo, which you know, it comes in a brown plastic bag, so I can't tell if it's cloudy or not, because uh, the cells would usually make it kind of cloudy if you oh, hold it up sure. to the lights. So, um, so one third of them get that. And then we have a third getting a low dose of cells and a third getting a high dose of cells because we're not really, we don't have any good information as to what would be the right dose if it does work at all. Mm. So we're trying to hedge our bets that way. And of course, it's, you, we use the phrase, or you'll hear the phrase T-Rex, the T-Rex study. Uh, other than uh, a dinosaur, what does that well, for kids, yeah. that works really well. But what does yeah. that mean exactly? So I'm, I'm, I have to say, I'm not usually that creative with naming things. <laughs> was this um, yours? You're, that, you're that, the... that, was, that was mine. Um, nice work. Uh, the, the sign in my office, I actually have the tagline of, you know, taking a bite out of type 1 diabetes. Um, <laughs> that, that's pretty sorry. good. Sorry. No, that's uh, all right. Uh, but it, it basically comes down, we talked about these are Treg cells, regulatory T cells that are supposed to be the part that balance the immune system from being overactive. And what we're doing is we're taking those T-regs and expanding them. So T-reg expansion, T-rex. There it was. Yeah. It was just laying there right in it front was. of you. So what's, what's next now? You've got the 111. Um, they're into three groups. How long do you, what happens Wait. next? Yeah. So we enrolled the last kid not that long ago, and our primary endpoint is actually at one year. So when that kid, that last kid who got treated is a year out, we get to, you know, see how much insulin they're making as well, too. Uh, and that's the first chance we get at a peak. We actually look at uh, every three months in the first year and then every six months for the second year to see how much insulin they're making. Uh, but that kind of one-year endpoint is kind of where we say, we put our money down ahead and say, this is where it's going to make or break. Mm -hmm. Now, all of your eggs are not in this one basket. I mean, you've got other stuff going on, right? Yeah, we, we have a few things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we actually have two other nuance trials. So T-Rex now is full up. We've, we filled as many kids as we needed. And we're actually not allowed to take more in right now. Um, because of the parameters of the FDA, right? Parameters of the FDA and also just ethics. We, we figure out, you know, how many do we need to try to figure out? And we think this has is enough. And we, we hit that. And then, you know, we can't just kind of keep going because we can't. Um, but there are two other studies. We have one through the Immune Tolerance Network called Extend, which uh, kind of uses a drug uh, it's called tocilizumab, which is more than yeah. anybody really wants to know. you got to come up with a dinosaur name for that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it basically works. What we're trying to do with that is try to, instead of take the regulatory T cells outside the body and expand them in a lab, this is a medicine that blocks some of the signaling in such a way, that, you know, the way the immune cells talk to one another. And it, it blocks the ones that are supposed to go on attack. And instead, it makes regulatory T cells in the body is how we think it works. And it's a medicine that's used for rheumatoid arthritis and it's approved down to age two for kids. So we're trying to see if that makes a difference in type one. So are you in trials on that one as well? That, that one, we're, we're, we've been open and we're still looking for more kids. How many do you need for that? Um, that one, I think we need about 130 across the country. And nationally, we're probably about halfway there. And then we have another study that we're doing with a pharmaceutical company, Janssen, uh, uh, one of the guys who has been involved in a number of other studies that I've worked with before is over there now. And it's using uh, 
medicine called it a TNF alpha inhibitor. And again, this is one of those chemicals that signals yeah. the immune system to turn it on. And by blocking it, we're trying to hopefully balance things out a little bit. And that goes up to actually age 21. It's really amazing work uh, in that so much of it is not is, is trying to get the body to do what it was naturally designed to do. And that really is fascinating work. Uh, but it is that that concept seems like it runs through a lot of modern research in medicine. Yeah. Uh, is that because we just changed the way we look at this, or did we actually are are we learning more about our immune system than we knew before? Yeah. So in my world of immunology, we're definitely learning much more about it. And if you think about you know, all the advances with genetics and, you know, molecular biology, we had much better tools to look at those through the 70s and 80s and even, you know, high throughput sequencing beginning, you know, in the 90s. Um, we're only, you know, just in the last 10, 15 years to the point where we have, uh, the way we look at immune cells is called flow cytometry. It, it basically, you label the surface of the cells uh, with antibodies against different proteins and depending which colors light up tells you what kind of cell it is. And, you know, if we go back even, you know, turn of the century, uh, we, you could do three or four colors pretty easily. And now you can do 10 colors, 12 even, uh, pretty standardly on, on a standard machine. And now there are machines, instead of looking at colors, they use different isotopes of heavy uh, metals uh, to label the antibodies. And they can do, you know, 50 or 60 at a time. That's amazing. Yeah. So That's it, really we, getting down into the the inner workings of our bodies. And so our ability to even look and characterize what types of cells are in there is only recently just kind of exploding. So we're a good 20, 30 years behind genetics and molecular biology. Dr. Kirk Griffin, he is a director of clinical trials for the Sanford Project, and we always like having him in studio to update us on the work. Uh, Dr. Griffin, thanks for coming in. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We're going to come right back and wrap up the Patrick Lally Show for today on Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO. Coming up on Saturday, this is really cool. We're going to talk about this later in the week. Extreme international ice racing out at the Shields Iceplex. Witness motorcycle racing on ice. That's awesome indoors. We'll get somebody to talk about that. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO. We'll see you all tomorrow.